You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and I bring you greetings from the Consolidated Baptist Church on the north side of Lexington, where we say the sun is always shining. And so I am glad, I'm delighted to be back with you one more time this chilly Friday morning. And again, I just thank God for being here. For all that had anything to do with my being here, I say thank you. I thank my sister for the introduction, uh, for the president. Uh, we thank God for him and for you as students. Uh, I must confess that when I was in college, we didn't get nearly this many students in chapel, whether it was required or not. Most persons found a way to skip chapel. And so uh, I've been asked to share, and I'm going to do that briefly this morning. Uh, I was kidding one of my colleagues. I said I had 45 minutes. Actually, I got about 22. So uh, in my tradition, 22 minutes allows you to say uh, hello and good morning and find out how the kids and the dog are doing. So uh, you're about to witness a miracle on Friday morning here uh, in Asbury life so you can get back to those most important classes. So just join me for a word of prayer, if you will. Father God, we thank you for the blessings of the day. We thank you, oh God, for just waking us up this morning, thanking you for allowing us to be in our right mind and that we're gathered in this chapel service one more time here at Asbury. God, we pray now that you would reveal yourself to us, speak to our hearts. We don't have to ask you to come because you're everywhere at the same time. So, God, we just ask again that you would reveal yourself to our hearts, speak to us, and uh, may we hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. This we ask in Christ's name, amen and amen. I want to read one verse of Scripture for you today, as recorded by David the psalmist in Psalm 37. And uh, after I read it, please don't tune me out, don't turn me off, don't turn the volume down. This may sound like something for older folk, but I think there are some lessons in it for all of us, uh, young and younger, on this day. I'm going to read for, me, for you Psalms 37, verse 25. Psalms 37, verse 25, the New King James Version reads as follows, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. It's not very long, so allow me to read it a second time. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. I want to tag this uh, short dialogue with you uh, with this title, I want to talk about living lessons, living lessons, living lessons. Today, I'm 62 years old. When I sat in a seat similar to you uh, years ago, I was between the ages of 18 and 23. I was much younger then, and for many years, as a preacher, pastor, I would never preach this text because I felt like I was too young. This was an old preacher's text. I wasn't able to say it. 35 or even 40, I was once young, but now I'm old. I'm not sure I'm old now, but I am old-fashioned in a lot of ways. And so when I think about living lessons and what we can learn, you don't have to be 50, 60, or 70 years old, 70 years old to learn some living lessons. Even at your age, at the youthful age of 
18 to 22, 23, 24, 25, there are some lessons that we ought to be learning as the people of God. Psalms 37 is one of those writings that helps us with learning, if you will. It is what we call a wisdom psalm. Theologians, those that do a lot of God talk, would agree that Psalms 37 is a message uh, that is simply this. A person, a man or woman, is to maintain patience in the midst of trying, trouble-filled times. I want to share with you this morning that you can have peace in the midst of a storm. Because peace is not the absence of struggle. It's an awareness of the presence of God with you in your struggle. This principle, I believe, is what I call a living lesson. Uh, it's presented through the Word of God, uh, one that God calls a man after his own heart. The psalmist David pins these words. And for the record, uh, the fact that he's a man after God's own heart, that does not translate into David being a man who was without sin. In fact, David, like all of us here, do not and cannot claim to be or have been without sin. The Word of God records David uh, as the one who committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. It was this same David who, in trying to keep this affair secret, orchestrated the death of her husband, Uriah the Hittite, one of his mighty men, whose task it was to protect David. Yet David, just like you and I, <clears throat> excuse me, are recipients of God's grace, David was too. Not only did he receive God's grace, but he was a, was a recipient of God's mercy. And for the record, grace is when God gives us what we do not deserve. And I'm glad about that because there are many things God blesses us with that we do not deserve. But David, like us, also received God's mercy. That's when God keeps from us those things that we do deserve. Uh, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but, thank God for divine conjunctions, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. It's given to us. Can't earn it. Didn't deserve it. Can't buy it. Can't be good enough for it. But God has graced you. God has gifted us with this gift of eternal life while keeping from us that which we deserve. And what keeps that which we deserve from us is nothing but the mercies of God. And I don't know about you, I'm glad for the mercies of God. My Bible says that his mercies are new and fresh every morning. Yesterday's mercies have been exhausted, but the good news is when you woke up early this morning, God had some new and fresh mercies right there for the having, right there for the taking. So here we go with a few of life's lessons. Number one, when I read this text is, you will not be young forever. I know that may come as a surprise to some of you. Uh, once upon a time, I felt like I was going to be young forever. Uh, Superman wasn't the first one to uh, leap tall buildings. I thought I did. Uh, faster than a speeding bullet. Some of us thought we were that fast. Uh, and you feel that way when you're young. You feel uh, that nothing can take you out. But I stopped by on my way to heaven to tell you that you will not be young forever. So while you are young, learn some of life's lessons. The Bible reminds me that when I was a child, I thought as a child. I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
Here's the country boy translations. There's some things I did at 22 that I don't attempt to do at 62. That there's some things that you're doing now that when you get to be 32, 42, 52, and beyond, you ought not be doing anymore. There's some things now that the world will allow you in a pass for, but you won't get a pass later on. So while you're here, make up your mind as to who you're going to be and what you're going to do and just as significantly what you're not going to do. Here is my physical witness that one does not remain young forever. Achy bones. I wake up now, my body reminds me, uh, you may think about it, but your body is not in cooperation with that. You can't run as fast. I can't as I used to do. I have memory lapses now. They, 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 my memory seems just a little bit shorter, and my body now negotiates with my mind before it ever gets moving in the morning. I used to just spring up out of the chair, and now I find myself putting my hands on my knees and rocking to get started. Uh, the body, the mind wants to do, but the body says, you can't do that anymore. Last night, last night, my wife and I went to the UK Lady Cats game, uh, and, and of course, they, they, they had a great win over Texas A&M last night. And after the game, I told one of the players, I said, you guys had it going on tonight. I mean, you put a whipping on, on my homegirls from down in Texas. And I said, you know, I felt almost good enough to come out there and just help and participate in the victory. And then I said, but my body says, don't try that. You may think you can do that. But it's just a reminder that I was once young. And I hate to admit it, but now I'm old. I'm older. I feel better. But I, that, that makes me feel a little better than saying I'm old at 62. But I must confess, I'm no longer young. But while you're young, you can gain wisdom, which brings me to the second point in my life. While you're young, gather some wisdom along life's journey. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, the following. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let her ask God. <coughs> Excuse me. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him or her. But let them ask in faith with no doubting. For he or she who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that person suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he or she is a double-minded person. What am I saying? You ought to learn some things along the way. You may be 22 now, or 20 now, or 18 now, but next year you ought to be wiser than you are today. Not just next year, but tomorrow you ought to be wiser than you were today. But I go back to the biblical writ. If you desire wisdom, ask God, and God will give it to you liberally. Think with me for a minute. Anybody in here feel like that person's come to you when they're going through whatever they're going through? You don't have to hold your hand up. I don't want anybody to think you're telling that you come, somebody comes to talk to you. But, but just think about it. Uh, are you the place they stop when the chips are down in their lives? Are you the, the, the house whose doorbell they ring when they need to get away from the struggles and troubles of this old world? Maybe it's because they recognize there's something in you that differentiates you from the rest of their friends. Maybe they see a spark in you. Maybe they see a light in you. Maybe they recognize there's something different about you based on how you behave 
and what you say to them when they're looking for advice. That's the wisdom. Don't back away from the wisdom, but don't settle in your present state of wisdom or lack thereof. Ask God for wisdom, and the text says he will give it to you liberally. That's what I like about God. God is not a stingy God. God is, is really the source of all wisdom. All wisdom begins with God. You're here to get an education, but while here with your education, ask God to give you wisdom as to how to use that education. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not the most technological person on the planet. I know just enough to be dangerous. But, but I, I've sought to surround myself with people that know more than I do. And wisdom says, let them do what they do and stay out of their way. Rather than trying to tell them how to do what I don't know how to do because of my pride. Sometimes pride keeps us from exercising the wisdom of God that he has granted us as the people of God. And I want to remind you today uh, in this house that God is not through with you just yet. That God has not brought you this far to leave you now. Even as we move toward a swift closure, I just want to remind somebody here that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bless you and prosper you and not harm you. Plans for a future and for a hope. Uh, somebody may be here, in here this morning thinking about what am I going to do with the rest of my lives? Let me help lift the weight off your shoulders. God has a plan for your life. Rather than trying to figure out the plan, seek the Lord with all your heart, knowing that when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find not, and the door shall be open unto you. God says, I've already got it worked out. You don't have to figure it out. Just cast your cares on me, being reminded that I care for you. God says, I've already done it. Just seek after me. That, my brothers and sisters, is wisdom. At 62 and in a moment of confession, I don't, rem I don't mind telling you to try and save you some time, money, and some bumps on your head. Listen, stop trying to figure it out. Trust God. God knows what's best for your life. And he wants you to be a person who is filled with wisdom. So, Pastor, what do I do with the rest of my life? I'm glad you asked. I got a question. Uh, you have the question. I've got the answer, and I'll do so, and I'm going to take my seat. God is faithful. God is faithful. Third time. God is faithful. And he has not brought you this far to leave you now. The Word of God says, he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God has a plan and a purpose, I say again, for your lives individually and our lives collectively. And that is to be the literal hands and feet as the body of Christ in this world. We are in the world, but we are no longer of the world. That is, if you are a child of God. Well, what if I'm not a child of God? You can't still become a child of God. The word of God says, if we but believe in our heart that he is Lord, confess with our mouths that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, Pastor, I'm a believer, but what else do I do? I now need to make him Lord, not just Savior, 
but I need to make him Lord. Lord recognizes the position that God holds as the sovereign God of the universe. Secondly, I affirm him as Lord. Thirdly, it means I now voluntarily submit myself to his authority. It's a military term. It means to voluntarily place yourself under the authority of God. That means, God, since I'm under your authority, you are responsible now to take care of me. The Bible reminds me that a loving father takes care of his children. A father who won't take care of his children is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever. And last time I checked, God is so faithful, he cannot be compared to an unbeliever. God literally is the best thing that ever happened to me. The best decision I ever made was giving my life to God. Not just that he might be my savior, but that he might be my Lord. That means, my brothers and sisters, he's in total control. It's not a debate when we have a conversation with our Lord. But it's, Lord, what are your instructions for my life at this point? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to give? That's lordship. Since the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, we are not our own. We have been bought with the sacrifice. Know ye not that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost? Let me help us, uh, let me help the pride feel, brothers and sisters, this morning. You don't belong to yourself. Everything you have belongs to God. And I want to challenge you today to ask yourself this very personal question. How are you doing with stewarding the resources God has entrusted to you? You have the privilege of being at one of the finest colleges, not just in the South, but in the nation. That is a great privilege, whether you're paying for it or mom and dad are paying for it. Are you on scholarship? It's still a great privilege to attend college. There are thousands of children who want to go, they can't go, but here you are on a Friday morning in the warm confines of this chapel. Hopefully something is being said to encourage you while you spend your time here. But I want you to know it is a great privilege that God has granted you. But God has a way of coming and calling after he has entrusted you with so much. This, this quick story, and I'm out of your way. When I came out of college in 1980, having graduated from Stephen F. Austin State University, I had trouble getting a job for months. I, I, I looked, I interviewed, I was denied time and time and time again. And finally, I got on my knees in my mother's bedroom. I said, Lord, if you will just bless me with a job, I will do whatever you want me to do. Within two weeks, I had three job offers, a choice of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and who I wanted to work for. From no job to three jobs in two weeks, God answers prayer. But that's not the whole story. The rest of the story is this. Ten years later, God came calling. Yes, God, I want you to leave what you're doing and I want you to preach my gospel. My response was, God, you got the wrong address. God, you dialed the wrong number. Surely not me, because my life wasn't, in my opinion, up to snuff, up to par, to be a proclaimer of the word of God. I, 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 there were some things in life I'd play with, but I didn't play with God. 
And I said, God, not me. And God says, remember the prayer you prayed? You said to me, God, if you will bless me with a job, you would do whatever I wanted you to do. Yes, God, I remember. He said, it's time. It's time. It's time. And I yielded to that call. I left corporate America because God directed me to do so. And I won't tell you I didn't have some struggles with doing so, but, but I knew it was what God wanted me to do as sure as I was born. And here we are 30 years later, having passed the Consolidated Church for the past 23 and a half years in this community of which we are part. And I can tell you, God is faithful. Where he guides, he provides. With the vision, God offers provision. But I also need to tell you, it comes with some cost. Because everybody's not going where God is calling you to go. And you've got to be okay with that. When God calls you to himself, he calls you from some things and some people. And so even now, I want to challenge you to begin to think about, God, what, what is it you really want me to do? But make sure you ask the right questions. Don't ask, what's it going to cost if I do this? The better question is this, what's it going to cost if I don't do this? As young people today, I pray you a little long enough to say I was once young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. David, what are you saying? David is saying, I've been through some ups and downs, some hills and some valleys, some ins, some outs, some twists and turns. Every day hadn't been a good day, but I'm still here. And he says, I look back over my life. God has been faithful. God has kept me. And not only me, but God will take care of those that come after me, my seed, if you will. The decisions you make now affect not only you, but generations to come. Make decisions with that in mind. That the decisions you make today will affect not only you, but generations after you. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Make decisions with that in mind. That's called wisdom. The rest of your life is the time God has given you. Use it in a way that glorifies and honors God. Make sure he's first in your life, and he'll handle everything else. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Give your life to Christ. Trust him in all things, and it'll be all right. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today. We bless you this day. We honor you this day. We give your name the glory. We give your name the honor, and we give your name the praise. God, I thank you for the privilege of standing before these, your young people today. And I just pray now in the name of Jesus that your will might be done in their lives. God, grant them wisdom from on high. Grant them courage to make decisions, O oh God, that glorify you and bless not only themselves but those around them. God, we thank you for having brought them to this uh, college here in Wilmore, Kentucky called Asbury. And I pray that their time here might be a time of growth, a time when they might develop, a time 
when that might grow stronger in your word and a knowledge of your word and develop a deeper love for you, our God. Father, Lord, order their steps in your word. Teach them, O oh God, how to pray. Teach them what to pray for. God, give them enough success to keep them going, but give them enough struggle to keep them humble and in need of thee. Open their eyes to see the invisible, their ears to hear the inaudible. Give them a heart of compassion, O oh God, that they're willing to sacrifice self for the cause, for that's what Christ did for us. Even now, O oh God, sanctify them, further set them apart, fill them with righteousness, O oh God, and let them know that your grace is sufficient that your mercies are new and fresh every morning and that they have an advocate, a paraclete, a friend to walk with them, to escort them through this thing called life. God, even now, we thank you again for the privilege of standing today. I pray that you have been glorified and that your people have been blessed. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all the people of God together said amen and amen.